together. I think the gorillas like to watch people as much as the people like oh, to watch them. Absolutely. Absolutely. They you could tell they were watching people and and I find it interesting that and I've seen this a few times at the zoo that some of the animals are really fascinated with either little tiny children or babies. Yeah. Just like when we see a baby uh, animal, we, you know, it melts our heart. I think that the animals themselves are kind of in, quite interested in little, little babies or tiny children. They do seem to be more fascinated with little kids more than adults. You don't think that's because they think they could eat them, right? Well, let's not think that. Uh, no, I think, yeah, I'm, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have said that. Happy all. thoughts. Nothing but happy thoughts. <laughs> Only happy thoughts. Welcome to the Winnie and Bill Chat Podcast. This is episode 14, and we're calling it At the Zoo. Before we get started, we'd like to thank Anchor Podcast Platform. It's a free podcasting platform. You can find it on the web, or you can download their app. It's free, and it's easy, and anyone can make a podcast. If we can do it, anybody can do it. So today, um, we are going to talk about the zoo. Um, the way we like to do our podcast is we post nine photos to our quiet shutter photo Instagram account. And we go through the pictures and talk about the story behind the picture or what went into that picture. So when you get a chance, you can look at the pictures on Instagram or we also load them up to Facebook, Winnie underscore Bill. So let's get started today, Bill. Why do you like the zoo? Well, we like the zoo. Well, at least I like the zoo because you you uh, just get to see animals and birds and um, all kinds of different things at a zoo that you wouldn't see in Michigan anyways, in nature. And um, it's just an opportunity for us to see some different things and get a chance to uh, maybe get some pictures that you wouldn't otherwise. Um, so it's, it's just something different and fun. Um, gives us a chance to actually challenge ourselves a little bit with our cameras to, to try and get a picture that uh, we wouldn't be able to um, otherwise get. Um, most of the time the animals are a little more attentive uh, as far as being able to get more than one picture at something, you get different angles and, and uh, it's just kind of fun. And I do enjoy um, walking around a zoo and, and um, being part of people that are there. Yeah. I love going to the zoo. I'm a little bit like a kid at heart when it comes to the zoo. Um, I'm excited to see all the different animals. And like Bill said, it's the zoo. If you're into taking um, photos, the zoo is an excellent place to hone your skills because um, the animals are there right in front of you. You can get fairly close. Sometimes you have to be creative um, in how you get your pictures. If you have to shoot through a fence or, um, you know, get, get an angle with an interesting perspective, but the animals are there and they're not going anywhere. Whereas when you're out in the wild, you have to be quick and you have to be on your game because an, uh, an animal might be there and then it's gone. And so the zoo is a good, good place to practice. 
Yeah, it is. Um, although, um, now that I had said that they're there and, and, um, you can get more than one picture. Sometimes you got to work at getting a, a picture that's, um, at all worth, um, showing someone else because sometimes the animals are, uh, just laying around doing nothing. And, um, sometimes they're very active. So you just never know when you go to the zoo. Um, but, um, so far, most of the time we go to zoos, we have pretty good luck. Yeah. And it's also fun to people watch too. Oh, definitely. There's, you know, there's nothing more delightful than when you see little kids, especially at the zoo, seeing animals for the first time. It's just, it's a fun time. Yeah, we've also struck up some pretty good conversations with adults that uh, will tell you uh, when you're standing next to a 900-pound grizzly, things that you would have never thought that somebody would tell you about. (laughs) All right, let's go to our first picture in our series of pictures. And this one is of a, a flock of pink flamingos. I believe this picture was taken at the Columbus Zoo. Yes. Um, The Columbus Zoo is an excellent zoo and it's been designed. um, I don't know if they, I think zoos do take photographers in consideration. Oh, I think so. Um, Often you find zoos that will have um, particular viewing sites, either platforms or um, a little hole cut out of a fence where you can point your camera through or whatnot. So you can get a picture without the barrier in your way. But the Columbus Zoo has done an excellent job of making it a barrier-free viewing zoo and yet keeping the animals safe and contained. Um, The Columbus Zoo is actually on both sides of a major road. Do you remember, remember that? And when we saw the flamingos, you actually are walking through a little tunnel that goes under the road. Right. And so it's a little bit dark for a minute. And then when you come out, there's the pink flamingo exhibit right there in front of your eyes. And it's just such a treat to see the beautiful colors just light up. Yeah. Flamingos are kind of, they're weird looking animals, um, but um, they do some, they can contort themselves in a million different directions. It always amazes me the way they can torque their necks around and, and different things. So. And in this photo, you can see that um, this picture, there's, sort of a featured flamingo in the foreground and then there's one two three four five six seven bits and pieces of more in the picture and they all have their necks twerked around in different ways um yeah this is just a little segment of actually the whole flock that we were looking at um yeah and and the variation of colors I, you know, I could have stood there and watched the flamingos for a long time. Yeah. Um, it, I'm, I'm thinking, am I right in thinking that if flamingos color changes depending on what they're eating? Yeah. You know, we learned that when we were in Las Vegas and um, we had lunch at the Flamingo Hotel. <clears throat> and then the hotel actually has a little natural area outside. I wouldn't call it a zoo, but... They have live flamingos in there. They have turtles in a little stream. And um, there was some keepers that were checking on the turtles when we were there. And then 
we got talking to them and they said that when they first got the flamingos, I don't know how many years ago at the hotel, that they lost a lot of their color and they realized that they get their color from their diet. And I don't recall, was it because they weren't getting um, shrimp to eat or something that gave Some them Some kind their- of seafood that actually gave them the primary creel, maybe? Maybe creel. In any case, they quickly remedied that and started to feed them a more natural diet and their pink and orange color came back. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's it's fascinating to see them. Their, their legs are literally like sticks. It just kind of knobby little sticks. They are like sticks. And they really do stand on one leg most of the time and have the other one tucked way up under them. Yeah. I, I wonder why they do that. I don't know. Other than it just, it, they're actually, um, their bodies are pretty big. So it's quite, quite the balancing act. It's, actually. A, it's quite, they're, they do look like ballerinas, right? Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, really that's, I guess the pink that a flamingo has, at least in this picture, I would call that a ballet pink. Right. Yeah. They're beautiful. They Even really are they beautiful. weird looking eyes. They kind of have, what color their eyes are kind of. Almost yeah. orange. Are they uh, are they kind of yellowish? I guess I mean I'm looking at the, around their eyelid. Oh yeah, see, yeah, I, in this eye, picture I don't see any of. Oh, maybe one way in the back that their eyes are yellow. Yeah, but they're pale, so it gives them a little bit of a creepy look. They look hungover to me. <laughs> they do kind of look hungover. Maybe that's why they're so contorted. And <laughs> just sleeping it off. Sleeping it off. Just leave me alone. <laughs> so our next picture. There, here is the reason to visit a zoo. Um, this picture is of a tiger. Um, I'm not sure if it's a Bengal tiger or a. I don't know the varieties of tigers, but this one is. I believe he's yawning, but he could be making a big cat noise. Yeah, I think he was probably just yawning, but um, yeah, the the cats that you generally see at zoos are just unbelievably big animals. Can you imagine coming across that, you know, walking a trail in Africa and having an animal that size jump out in front of you? Terrifying. Reason reason you stay in your car. A reason to see wild cats at the zoo. Right. It's safe. (laughs) And in this picture, because he's got his mouth wide open, I believe yawning, you can see his teeth and they are impressive. Yeah, I don't remember if this one was, was this one at the Cincinnati Zoo too? I I think Cincinnati Zoo. Or Columbus. (laughs) The other one in Ohio. Yeah. We've never been to the Cincinnati Zoo. We ought to put that on our list. Yeah. I think this is at the Columbus Zoo. Yeah. And I think that this picture was taken through a thick sheet of glass. There are some really impressive uh, tigers in particular at the, Detro- in the, at the Detroit Zoo as well. Yeah. Um, there's also a zoo, a little zoo up in the UP called the Garland Zoo. And they have lions. Do they have tigers as well? No, I think they have tigers and not lions. Okay. Tigers is what we saw. 
the the Garland Zoo is a small privately owned zoo and it has grown over the years. But um, I encourage people to go to visit the Garland Zoo because it's kind of it's really kind of a different zoo experience. Whereas the zoos that we have pictures of that we're talking about today are, um, you know, pretty sophisticated and they, you know, paved walkways and, um, you know, million dollar exhibits. The Garland Zoo has lots of exotic animals to see, but the pathways are just wood chips and they've kept a lot of the area around it natural northern Michigan woods. Very much like walking through the woods and, whoa, there's a tiger. Yeah, you're walking through the woods and, oh, there's some camels. <laughs> there's and, there's a, uh, why does that bear have a dog on top of it? That's back? the other thing at the Garland Zoo is they have, whereas in some of the exhibits, they were only able to get one of that species, um, for instance, the bear. And rather than him be lonely in his in, uh, enclosure by himself, they've given them unusual companions. The bear had a, a friend dog, correct? I and believe that's been, what it was. They've been together for years and years. There was a bison with a miniature goat, right? Yeah. yeah. We haven't seen it, but um, our friends that have been there several times said that quite often the miniature goat will be on top of the bison. I did bag. see that when I was Is there. I yeah. The bison was laying down <laughs> and the goat was standing on top of him. And, and the bison seemed to be perfectly okay with that. Yeah. But they have a lot of interesting couplings like that at the Garland Zoo. So the Garland Zoo is a fun zoo to visit also. But they the Garland Zoo does have some big cats. And, um, you, you know, it's, you get right up there and see them. That's, you know, the reason for going to the zoo. Yeah, they have a they do have a double barrier fence as far as oh, that yeah, goes. Safe. But we happened to be there the one they were feeding the tigers one day and they actually take um whole chickens and throw them up in the trees so that the tigers actually climb the trees to get their food. It's it's pretty crazy to watch. It was pretty impressive. You wouldn't think that an animal that weighed, you know, these cats they were probably three hundred pound cats. We're climbing up a tree to get their food like nothing. It was kind of scary that um, my thought was, well, if I was ever in a situation where I had to jump up in a tree to get away from a cat, I would be okay with that. But it wouldn't be far enough because those big suckers <laughs> probably, can follow you probably wherever wouldn't work. you go. <laughs> they might just think you're a chicken. And those, those tigers at the Garland Zoo actually, to me, looked a little fat. Yeah, they weren't they weren't lacking for food, that's for sure. And um you know, a lot of times, well, cats in general, even a house cat, they say they sleep like 22 hours a day and uh I think that might be true of big cats as well. Um and so I think that their reasoning in throwing the food up in the trees and whatnot is to get the get them to have to work for their food a little bit, move right. around a little bit. I'm sure that's what that's all about there. If you're ever going to visit a zoo, my suggestion would be to go first thing in the morning when they first open, because often that's when feeding time is for a lot of the animals. And if you can get yourself in front of an exhibit when the keepers are feeding um, whatever animal that is, you're going to see a lot more action, a lot more interaction and interesting things. 
than if you go in the middle of the day when it's hot and sunny and they've been fed and they're just chilling. Yeah, they're like most of us. You get your belly full and you just want to take a nap. Right. So first thing in the morning is best time to visit a zoo. So let's go to our next picture, Bill. Okay. And this one, I believe, was also taken at the Columbus Zoo. Yes. Do you want to talk about this picture? This one is actually um, is a elephant. Um, I believe this was a female elephant. Do you remember if the Columbus Zoo has African elephants or Asian elephants? I do not remember. All of all I know is they're elephants with big ears. And they're huge. And they're huge. So at the Columbus Zoo, as I recall, this exhibit is pretty extensive. <clears throat> There's a front outside viewing area. And then you can meander around and go inside of the building where they have um, some of the elephants are where they're inside sometimes. When we were there, there were elephants inside and one of them was pregnant. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, in in that part of the of the exhibit, they quite often will feed them uh, in the winter, in particular. But they also um, can groom and they give the elephants baths quite a bit. Check their uh, feet. Check their feet. You know, they they take good care of these animals. Elephants. A lot of zoos started out with um, elephants, but they don't thrive in all zoos, especially if they just don't have enough space for them. So like the Detroit Zoo used to have elephants and they have since um, moved those elephants to better locations for the species. Um, and I like that zoos are being more conscientious nowadays of the welfare of the animal versus the attraction that they are. Right. So in inside of the when you're inside of the building at the Columbus Zoo, um, you can stand in front of, you know, plate glass and see what they're doing. and they um they had a whole series of um ways to feed the elephants that made them have to work for their food a little bit and and also um things set up to give them more interaction make their make their day a little more interesting and then you can come out of that building and you can go around to the back side where there's another outdoor viewing area and maybe it's designed this way because Sometimes they need to keep the males away from the females. Probably. That's probably what most of that's set up for. Yeah. So um, in this picture, this, is, I believe, is a male elephant. There was two of them in this outside enclosure. And I do like that the Columbus Zoo has done a pretty good job of making their um, enclosure seem fairly natural, right? Yeah, as much as possible. The uh, um, They definitely try and and do um they've got some trees amongst rocks in there and um yeah sometimes you go to the zoo and it'll be a a flat cement wall that somebody you know 30 years ago painted a mural on and it's partly fading and it looks tacky but at the columbus zoo you could take pictures and um and the pictures looked good it didn't look like a sad looking animal standing in front of somebody's old graffiti right yeah, I highly recommend the Columbus Zoo. Oh my goodness, our next picture, Bill, is. <laughs> the next picture is. Again at the Columbus Zoo. Yeah, this was just the biggest grizzly bear I've ever seen in my life. It, he's uh, in this picture. He's actually 
um, partially standing up on a couple of logs that, and, and a big rock that was in his enclosure. Um, and there was actually two bear in this exhibit and uh, they both were, um, I, if I remember right, the placard said that they were over 900 pounds. They were just massive, big grizzly bears. I, you know, Lauren was with us on this trip. We had been to a wedding of her, one of her best friends from uh, school days. And so we were in DC for a wedding. And then on the way back, we stopped at the Columbus Zoo. Um, Lauren has lived in Alaska. She now lives in Montana. And so being aware of grizzly bears is part of her life. And uh, seeing a grizzly bear in person just made me as a mother even more nervous <laughs> for her because they are like dinosaurs. They're so huge. Um, I believe the two bear that were at the Columbus Zoo were orphaned or rescued or something from Alaska. Do you remember that? Yeah, these are actually Kodiak brown bears. That what were, is the difference between a Kodiak and a grizzly? Yeah, about 400 pounds, apparently. <laughs> or is it just sort of where they live? I think it's primarily where they live. Um, so they tend to get to be um, in Alaska in particular. They just have an unbelievable amount of food for themselves to eat. So uh, they just tend uh, to get really, really big. Um, it, you know, and it's hard to see in this picture a perspective of how big he was because, but if there was a person standing next to this bear, if I was standing next to this bear, I would not be too much taller than his shoulders here. Oh, you wouldn't be as tall as his shoulders because that rock that he's leaning on there. Um, well, if I was standing on the rock. If you were standing on the rock, yeah, you you probably wouldn't be above his head, that's for sure. And his head was as big as a large beach ball. Uh, I mean, oh, big, yeah, it was, it was probably at least two feet wide. I, yeah, it was just incredibly big. I, I know when we walked, were crazy. as we approached the exhibit, I just was having a hard time in my in, in my mind um, processing what I was seeing because they are so big. You have to go. You have to go to a zoo and see a grizzly for yourself to just get an idea of how big they are. Even the the grizzlies at the Detroit Zoo also equally as impressive. Yeah, but the ones at the Columbus Zoo are probably two hundred pounds high, bigger than those. There, it's in, unbelievably how big. Yeah, it is. grizzly bears. Are huge. Yeah. They are huge. And I was just so impressed. Um, again, the exhibit at the Columbus Zoo and the one at the Detroit Zoo are built in a way that there's a, you know, a moat, if you will. And um, it, you can take pictures unobstructed and yet you're safe. The bears aren't going to get out of the exhibit. Um, I could have stood there and looked at the bears either at the Columbus Zoo or the Detroit Zoo for hours. Yeah, they both have um, pretty good um, space for them to roam around. They have yeah. um, natural logs. They've got water features. Yeah. They've got some natural grass for them. Yeah, to it was November when we saw when we were at the Columbus Zoo. Um, when we went to the Detroit Zoo, it was August, I believe. Yeah, I and so, so those bear were in the water. They yep. were enjoying the water. And do you remember that character that was standing outside the? bears just watching him someone who lives in detroit area and 
evidently goes to the zoo every day. Every day, I think, yeah. And he knew the name of the bears and he knew the characteristics and the personalities of the bear. And I think he would have stood there and talked to us about the bear all day. He was definitely the self-appointed guide of the bear exhibit. Definitely self-appointed. I mean, he was not, a, he didn't work at the zoo, but he definitely was in love with those bear. Yep. I can see why that would happen. They are so fascinating. Oh, yeah. You could easily get attached to them and, and, uh, they're just fun to watch. Yeah. If we lived in a town that had a zoo, I would definitely have a, a membership and I would go to the zoo as frequently as I could. Yeah. Yeah. And I would assume you start to feel like you have your favorites and. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't say enough about that. Yeah. So the bears are huge and intimidating, and it makes me wonder, how did the teddy bear ever come to be a stuffed animal that children love and adore? Yeah, I don't know, because you wouldn't want to cuddle up to this guy very much. <laughs> I mean, although he does look like he'd be soft and you just want to wrap your arms around him, look at those claws. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so our next picture is now we're at the Detroit Zoo. We went to the Detroit Zoo. Was it last August, Bill? August or September. And um, we were just, you know, meandering around and we happened to stumble on a very helpful, do you call them docents at the zoo? Volunteers who work at the zoo as guides or whatever? I would just call them volunteers, but. Okay, a volunteer. And we were looking at the chimpanzees, I believe. And she was telling us all about the the chimps, were they chimpanzees or a different kind of monkey? Those were chimpanzees. And she was telling us how they have a um, program for when, who they allow to get pregnant and not, and that the monkeys are actually on birth control, which I found fascinating. And uh, then she said, if you really want to get, get a good look at the gorillas, they feed them at, and she told us the specific time, and the specific viewing spot to be at. And she said a keeper is going to come and he has a bell on his bucket of food. And the gorillas have been trained to take a specific spot outdoors. And from there, the keeper will throw them their food. And it's a great opportunity to get to see them up close and see them moving around and interacting. And so we did that. And I was glad we did. Right, Bill? Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was a very helpful hint, and uh, this exhibit, if I remember right, it had four or five silverback mountain gorillas, and this picture um, was one of the um, older gorillas. Um, he's not the most muscular of the bunch, but he, um, he was he was definitely. Um, Nobody you wanted to screw around with. I either. do. I wouldn't have screwed around with any of them. No. They look like like they could take you apart pretty easily. Yeah. But fascinating how they, once they heard that bell, they knew exactly where to go. And there was two really dominant gorillas and one that was um, younger. And um, he knew that his place was last in line, according to the other. So they trained them to be spread out so that the dominant gorilla won't get all the food and the other ones get none. And um, so the keeper, you know, as he was tossing out food to the gorillas was telling the crowd that had gathered there some little facts and insights into the gorillas. And 
again, they all have their own personality and, and also, you know, this gorilla really likes the romaine lettuce. That's a real treat for him. And the other one might like something else better. And um, so he was throwing out food to the gorillas and the one that was the less dominant one, he kind of, kind of hoarded his food and didn't really eat until the other ones had kind of eaten and moved on. Right. Right. Yeah. And the, the keeper of the gorillas was, was, um, the title might've been peacemaker more than yes. keeper when it came to that. <laughs> I agree with that. There was a real good reason for them to separate because apparently they can get into some very violent, um, interactions over food. Yeah. Over those romaine lettuce leaves. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't fight you for a head of the romaine lettuce, but. And, uh, also the keeper always kept a little treat back in his bucket for the third one. After the two big guys left, he would have something extra special he'd toss out for that third guy. Yeah, just because they were feeling like he needed a little more nutrients than the rest of them. Maybe he just had a little soft spot in his heart Maybe. for him. But um, there was a couple times where the keeper would toss something and meant to be tossing it to one gorilla and the other gorilla would lift out his arm and intercept it and get something that wasn't meant for him. Yeah, he would just jump out and like snag it like... yeah. Um, with this glove like a baseball glove as it was going by and I'll take that. I'll take that. So um, also this exhibit uh, is built like we've been talking about where it's there's a, a deep moat around the exhibit and yet you can view it from several spots without any uh, fencing that's, you know, distracting from your view. Um, Bill and I had our cameras with long lenses and so I think this might have been well, I guess it's hard to say who took this picture, whether it was you or I, but um, this in this picture, the gorilla is running off, but he almost looks like he's running directly towards the camera. Right. There's several spots in this exhibit in particular. I think the gorillas like to watch people as much as the people like oh, to watch them. Absolutely. Absolutely. They you can tell they were watching people and. And I find it interesting that, and I've seen this a few times at the zoo, that some of the animals are really fascinated with either little tiny children or babies. Yeah. Just like when we see a baby uh, animal, we, you know, it melts our heart. I think that the animals themselves are kind of in, quite interested in little, little babies or tiny children. They do seem to be more fascinated with little kids more than adults. You don't think that's because they think they could eat them, right? Well, let's not think that. Uh, no, I think, yeah, I'm. I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have said that. Happy thoughts. Nothing but happy. Thoughts. <laughs> Only happy thoughts. Yes. Oh my goodness! This next picture was taken at Potter Park Zoo in yeah. Lansing, Michigan. Potter Park Zoo is a. Um, it might be one of my very favorite zoos of all. It's not big, and yet there's a nice variety of animals there. I do have some facts about the Potter Park Zoo. Um, it was established in 1915, and it was a donation of 58 acres from J.W. and Sarah Potter. And then they added, in uh, 1917, they added another 27 acres to the original donation. But it wasn't until 1920 that they had their first animals there. So it, the zoo itself is celebrating its 100 year this year. Wow. And do you know what the very first animals at Potter Park Zoo were, Bill? 
Mm, no, I saw the I saw the, the same thing you're talking about, and I don't remember what it was. Elk. Elk. And they just reintroduced elk this that, year. Yeah, I don't know when they quit having elk at the park, but they had elk was their very first animals, and then they introduced some more native Michigan animals like raccoon, uh, bear, um, those kind of animals that were native to Michigan. And at some point they, they had elk no more. And I don't know why, but um, in recent times they had a couple of moose and I think the moose were rescued from Alaska. And I'm not sure what the story of the moose are because the moose are no longer there. And they have reintroduced elk. So in the the same habitat where the moose. Right. So kind of coming full circle. A hundred years ago, they had elk as their first animals and elk are their most recent addition as well. So, but in this picture from Potter Park Zoo is a, are they called mandrels? Mandrels, I believe. Yes. Um, Which are part of the monkey slash ape family. Yeah. Mandrels are the ones that have the really colorful um, faces and fur. And it seems like their fur is like a mood ring, like the fur changes colors. It's definitely a mood ring. It's They're so interesting. So the dominant males are, of course, the most fascinating because they have the most color. Um, and they're, you know, they're always defending their place at the top. <laughs> So they're interesting to watch. You can see when the um, dominant mandrels are moving around other uh, younger or females, how they just kind of get out of their way. Yeah. And this particular one has a stick in his hand, which we observed him using it like a tool quite a little bit. And also like a toothbrush. Toothbrush. Yeah. He was picking his teeth with it and, and gnawing it a little bit. He used it on his teeth a lot. Yeah. It was pretty interesting. They are definitely extremely intelligent animals. So um, at Potter Park Zoo, there's a a building and you can view the mandrels and there's also spider monkeys and I think maybe even a third kind of monkey. And I don't remember what the third one is. And you can view them from inside of the building and also you can view them outside. Um, But this particular day we were inside. Um, looking at them through the through glass and um, this monkey this mandrel um, there was a class a school trip and there was a group of young girls probably 10 years old bill yeah 10 11 that were standing in front of the mandrels watching them and this particular mandrel um, went right up to the glass and there was a cute little girl with bright red hair do you remember this? Oh, yeah. And he was trying to get her attention. Yep. L- like he had picked her out of the crowd as somebody he was interested in. And he was just doing everything he could to get her attention. He was swatting at the glass. He was bobbing his head back and forth, looking her directly in the eyes. And this little girl, all of her little friends were just laughing and carrying on because it was just he was he was going outside of himself, just trying to get her attention. And the whole group of girls thought it was the most hilarious thing until. Yeah. Until he decided he should show the little girl his junk. He did. 
he showed her his junk and it was and all the little girls went screaming and yeah, running as away, they should have as they should have i don't know what this mandrel thought but he was really 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 in an animal way trying to impress this redheaded girl yeah if there's a sex offender list for mandrels this guy's <laughs> He's on. on it <laughs> yeah that was a funny moment yeah I wish I had that on video, all those little girls screaming and <laughs> running away. He, and he must have felt so defeated. Yeah, he was, uh, he was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I, just, I just showed you my best stuff. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean you're not impressed? <laughs> they were not impressed. No. <laughs> okay, That's... now I think we're back at the Columbus Zoo. Yes. yes. Are, are these, what, are these, these are chimpanzees. And again, the chimpanzees, you could view them outside or you could view them inside. And um, this picture um, is of a chimpanzee mother. And she um, turned to look at something and moved her body and her arms in a way that revealed that she was holding on to a little baby. Yeah, this baby's not very old either. Um, yeah, he was tiny. Tiny, tiny little, cutest little thing you ever saw. So cute. And I can't believe that we even got this picture because, again, this was taken through glass and glass at the zoo tends to get dirty pretty fast because people lean up on it and little kids put their hands all over it. And boy, are we thinking things through differently now in the time of COVID, right? Right. Definitely. When we were just at the Potter Park Zoo, the the uh, one exhibit that we were at was an otter, um, sea otter exhibit. and Every time um, a group of people would come through the exhibit, there was a big glass display where you could see the otter above water and diving underwater. And as soon as a group would walk away, uh, there was a keeper right there that would spray the whole glass down and wipe it clean. And they really were were doing everything they could to keep yeah. things just as sanitary as possible. Yeah. I talked to that the gal who was doing that, and she, I said, is this pretty much your station for the whole day. And she said, yes, that that's what she did for her whole shift was um, stand at the otter exhibit and uh, wipe the glass every, you know, every two minutes, really. Um, yeah, we have to think differently about what we actually touch these days. But one thing that was maybe a bonus for her being stuck in one spot for the whole day is there are two baby otters at the Potter Park Zoo right now. And when she would wipe the glass, um, one of the little baby otters has taken a liking to chasing um, her arm movement. Yeah, chasing. She uses a little like Clorox wipe. And so the wipe is white, probably stands out pretty good uh, to see. And wherever she would wipe that Clorox wipe, the little baby otter would follow it. So she was she was demonstrating it to us and she was making it go in figure eights and all back yeah, and forth. Yeah, it would do whatever motion she made. It, it was adorable. Mimic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this um, at the Columbus Zoo, the was there more than just this? Was there a couple of baby chimpanzees we saw? There was three or four, but this was the only one that we really got a decent picture of because yeah. Most of them were nursing and most of them, the mothers were being very protective of yeah, them. Yeah, and they were far back in the exhibit yeah. that was away from yeah. public. 
Um, yeah, there were, there were probably over twenty chimpanzees in that particular exhibit, and yeah, they the mothers who had little ones were just being very protected of the, primarily, apparently the teenage, what they called their teenage chimpanzees in particular, loved to harass the little ones. Yeah, but at the same time, it's a real. You can see that the monkeys live in a real community because. Um, the ones with babies, other chimps would come by and and groom a little bit, groom the mother, groom the baby yeah. and share. And it seemed like they were equally as fascinated and interesting to see somebody else's baby. And Oh, yeah. It was just teenagers being teenagers. <laughs> what the, yeah, that right. Mean? Yeah. Whenever you see gorillas, monkeys, mandrills, whatever, it's always amazing to me how close to human behavior they have. Yeah. Yeah. Even that one weird mantra. Even that one weird one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. There's one in every crowd. There's always, and like Bill said, they're on a list. Yeah. <laughs> so our next picture was taken a few years ago at the Detroit Zoo. And I was so determined this year, that year, to get to the Detroit Zoo because there was a baby giraffe. It was the cutest thing. And we didn't get there right away. Like it, it, it had been a couple of months before from the time they let the baby out on in public viewing before we could get there. Cause it was summertime was busy for us. And so when we got there, we were not disappointed. This uh, giraffe are weird and amazing animals to see at any time. And the Detroit zoo again has a wonderful, um, dis- you know, wonderful enclosure for the giraffes where you can view them without, having to look through a fence and um, even do you have to pay a little extra to feed the giraffe or you just have to be there at the right time? I think you just have to be there when they're actually feeding them. There's a couple of platforms that you can actually, so keepers will let you hold. They like to eat like um, tree uh, leafy stuff, leafy stuff. Yeah. But they'll give them the whole branch of whatever it is. So you can actually hand it, to them and giraffe will take it out of your hand. And uh, so people were, were able to do that, but we were, we were interested in taking pictures of the little one. And uh, this particular picture um, it was just, Winnie just caught this really cool moment in time where the uh, mother is, is nosed up to the baby's the baby's laying on the ground with its head up and his head's kind of twisted into Almost looks like the shape of a seahorse, actually. Yeah. But uh, yeah, just, and they're nose to nose, like a little kiss. Yeah, and it just was the cutest thing ever. It was adorable. I after I we got home and I processed our pictures. I put this one on Instagram, and I can't say that it went viral on our Instagram account, but the Detroit Zoo reposted it, and it did go viral on their site, and there was thousands of likes on the pictures. And hundreds of comments, which I found fascinating to read the comments. But the one that sticks out in my mind is the one where a person says, I'm taking this picture and getting this tattooed. That's the one I was thinking of. (laughs) Really? So somebody somewhere evidently might have one of our photos tattooed on their body somewhere, which is kind of weird to think about. Right. But it is adorable. They both have their eyes open and they are. This is a beautiful picture, right? Yeah, it, it turned out really well. You you did a good one there, Winnie. I, just like you said, a moment in time and the whole thing is being there at the right moment in time. Yeah. But this is beautiful. Yeah. 
Well, the next picture. So we're get, this is the last picture in our um our, our string of photos today. And we like to end our podcast by talking about the picture that got away, the one we missed, the one we wish we would have gotten. And um, this kind of fits that bill. This is kind of the picture that got away for us. Um, Potter Park Zoo is part of a uh, breeding program for the um, endangered black rhino. Um, they are considered critically endangered. And there's like only, they estimate only like 5,000 in the wild anymore. Um, so the Detroit Zoo had a female black rhino as part of their, um, part of their permanent collection of animals. And they borrowed, there's probably better words than I'm using, but they borrowed a male black rhino from another zoo a year ago, maybe more than a year ago now. And, um, and the two of them hit it off. <laughs> and on December 24th, Christmas Eve, this past Christmas Eve, um, a baby black rhino was born. And I could not wait to get to Potter Park Zoo to see the baby rhino. It, um, they showed, you know, of course, whenever a new baby animal is born at a zoo, they don't put it out on exhibit right away. They let, they put the mother and the baby in private places where they can bond and thrive. And once they feel that they're um, stable enough and ready, then they put them on public display. So I was waiting and waiting and waiting for that moment. And we were going to hit the road and go to Lansing to the Potter Park Zoo. And then COVID came along. COVID came along. And the zoo was closed. And the zoo and everything else was closed, as it should have been. Yes. But it delayed, and but what a great opportunity for these rhinos to be able to have that extra time to just be, just be mother and baby rhino together. Right. I don't know how much they let the father. The father is still there, and I don't know how much the father interacts now with the mother and the baby. But um, so this past weekend, uh, we uh, went to Potter Park Zoo and. The, of course, number one on our list thing we wanted to see was the mother and baby rhino. So when we got there, at first I thought maybe they weren't even out in the yard because you couldn't see them. We saw the father. We saw the father. But he was by himself. Yeah, in a separate area. In a separate area. So then we saw the, uh, um, you actually said out loud, I wonder where the baby is. And uh, a lady said, oh, they're over here. So we went over to the next little space next to the And I to looked the out into was. the exhibit close to the close to where they go back into the building. I couldn't see anything. You had to peer directly over the wall. There was like a wall and a hedge. Yeah. And you had to peer right over it cuz they were laying down sleeping right next to the wall. So really close. Yeah. They were only about 8 feet away from us. But there was no way to get a picture of them because nope. they were so close to the wall and you couldn't really, you know, obviously it's a nice thick wall. You can't lean over it. And they were sleep. They were zonked out. It was really hot. It was, yeah, it was extremely hot that it was day. in the and 80s and humid. And I'm pretty sure they were down for the count and probably slept the whole day. As they should have. <laughs> Absolutely. But that definitely was the picture that got away for us. I was envisioning... A picture of the mom standing up and the baby maybe nursing or snuggling up to the mom or even 
running around. I've seen videos of the the little baby trying to wrestle with the mother. <laughs> yeah, he's been prancing around, prancing and stuff around and all this nudging cuteness. mom and just all this cute stuff. He's and, starting to grow his little horn on the end of his nose now, and yeah, yeah. Well, this is yeah. the best we could do. Laying down, looking. Sucking at, in they the look sun. like they're dead. Yeah. <laughs> And the and they're in a muddy hole in the it's not a pretty picture at all. No. Not yeah. not exactly what we were going for. But I mean, a little disappointing, but we saw them. Yep. And we've decided we're gonna go back when it's cooler weather, when they might be a little more active. Yeah, either be there sometime in the evening or early in the morning. Very but early it, in the it morning. It was a really hot day. It was when so we hot were there and um so we gotta go back. We got to imagine we got to go back. Okay. <laughs> so we love a good zoo. And if you, if you like to take pictures, I highly recommend going to the zoo. No shame in taking pictures of animals at the zoo. No, there's, it's just a good time all the way around. Yeah. And go first thing in the morning. Yeah. You'll have the best results that way. Best results. One time we were at the, um, with our own children when they were little, we were at Potter Park Zoo and we were off into the farm yard area, which isn't too terribly far away from where they keep their big cats. And it was later in the day. It was, I don't know, five o'clock, maybe getting toward five o'clock. And the cats came to life. Do you remember that? And they started to roar. Yeah. The lion. In particular, it just vibrated the ground. I think the sound of it to hear a lion roaring in real life is so, I think, unexpected because it is almost an ultrasonic. Yeah, you could feel it. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And they said that you can actually hear it from at least three miles away. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. I have always sort of fa- uh, fantasized about what it would be like to live next door to a zoo. You know, in, in Detroit, I'm not sure that's the area of Detroit I'd want to live in, but there is a little neighborhood that live, you know, a road right alongside the zoo. Oh, yeah. I just wonder if you sat on a, out on your porch at night, if you would see hear all kinds of exotic animals making. I'm sure you would. It'd be so cool. Yeah, and we got to get back to the Columbus Zoo and check out those spaces. And evidently, that, we need to go to the Cincinnati Zoo now, too. Yeah, you've never been there, so you should probably go with me to the Cincinnati <laughs> right. Zoo. So thanks for listening to our uh, podcast today, A Trip to the Zoo. I hope it inspires you to get out and check out a zoo near you. If you do, you can share your pictures with us. Also, I've never mentioned this before, but if you'd like to, you can leave a voice message on Anchor. Um, and if you do, we might include that in one of our podcasts down the road. That would be fun. That would be fun. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen, whether it's Anchor or Spotify or iTunes. That way you won't ever miss an episode. Yeah, so thanks for checking us out. And uh, hope you have a great day. And we'll talk to you next week. Goodbye.